I remember coming off and my mom said, when are you going to be happy? And I said, never. Um, and that's, that sounds crazy, right? Yeah. Um, but that's just what my mindset was. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Strive's How You Lead Matters podcast, where we discuss everything leadership. From tapping into your motivation to feeling yourself with grit, we're here to support you as you discover the character-driven leader in yourself and those around you. I'm Caroline Lettner. And I'm Jared Smith. Hi, everyone. We are here with the Strive How You Lead Matters podcast. Jared, how are you doing? Uh, it's the new year. Cannons go off. Fireworks. Happy New Year, everyone. Um, I'm feeling great. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. You're absolutely right. I should have started by saying Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Happy 2022. I don't know what this year has in store for us, but I'm excited. Oh, I don't think anybody does. <laughs> All right. Well, today we are talking to the head women's soccer coach at my very own alma mater, Franklin and Marshall College. We are talking to Coach John Samoski. Yeah, great to be here, guys. I, uh, Happy New Year to you both and to everyone listening. And um, we were talking earlier before we hit record on like how that success really can bring people back. And, and you guys had some incredible success in that season. Can you kind of explain some of those things that, you know, went on within your team and your club? Yeah, I think most importantly, uh, we just found out that our team GPA was a 3.61. So um, <clears throat> I'm working with some brilliant young women who just refuse to do anything but their best in everything they do. And I, I think that's just the, the type of young adult that F&M draws and and that was a big draw for me now I had previously coached as a volunteer for a couple years at Carnegie Mellon um, and I was the interim head coach in the spring of 98 there and so I got a little bit of taste of what a high academic environment was like um, and I had just remembered telling my father that I'd really like to coach at a high academic school you know a highly selective school where everyone on the team is smarter than me um and i just have to pretend i'm just as smart so i think anything could have happened this year we we started off well we we kind of transitioned covid and before covid we had a discussion uh, i had a discussion with my staff how are we going to get ahead of covid because mm-hmm. i knew that COVID was gonna have a different effect on different teams. So um, we kind of had a plan for that. And, um, and when we came back and started competing and we were, I think at one point we were 801, um, we kept asking ourselves, are we this good or are other teams just, <laughs> just had a transition COVID? And I kept going, I, I don't know the answer yet. And then we went to Dickinson and we're up four nothing at halftime. And I said, we're, we're really good. <laughs> yeah. We're this good. It's official. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with this season, you led and honestly, I have never read a longer bio and a more like incredible bio. The things that you have been able to achieve in your career truly are really inspiring. And so for this season, particularly 
again, among other things, you led the team to its first conference playoff win and first conference champion appearance, championship appearance. So like to, to question whether or not you are that good. I think those, there's your answer. You guys are. <laughs> well, yeah. I, so again, if you go back to the amazing players that we have on the team, there are so many things that become noise for a team. And so it could be um, someone that's not happy with um, playing time. It could be somebody that's having an argument with another player and that noise becomes a huge distraction. Um, and kind of sorting through that noise is really important and it has to be done daily. I mean, you can't, you can't wait two or three days because it could affect one player, which could affect one game. So I'm really big on solving problems and, um, and really it's like, for me, it's about having our players solve problems. So yeah. confrontation is a really hard thing. I don't like confrontation. Nobody likes it. Um, but it's, it's one of those things. It's one of those soft skills that you really need to have to be successful. And we have a leadership council that I meet with weekly in season. And we just discuss flat out what's going on. Like, and we talk about who might need me and who might need to have a conversation with me and who they might want to talk to. Um, but we kind of don't let things drag on. And I really, I made a bigger effort this year, although it wasn't, I can't say it's great, but I, and I need to improve on it, but to try to just pull a couple players aside before practice and ask them how they're doing hmm. um, just so I can connect and see what they need because I think my one of my primary jobs here is to help them navigate their four years um so aside from winning um if they're if they're not happy I'm trying to find a way to get them to be happy I've always been kind of a people pleaser um I don't like when people are upset with me and uh so that's the kind of to be able to say that to you is the more vulnerable side of me that I've come in touch with over yeah. the last couple of years. I think it's really important to be vulnerable. And I think it's really important to not be right. Yeah, I'm big into students, athletes, youth alike. I, I feel that they are the truest test of energy and really knowing if someone is genuine. And I feel like there are a lot of coaches that may ask, hey, how are you doing? But they're doing 15 other things. And, and you can read whether someone is interested in your answer or not. And it seems clear that like you have you have identified that, yeah, you may prioritize some of the the, the technical aspect of the game because you really want to get into that. But you've identified that and realized, like, I need to check in on these things as well. And those are key to success. And so you've set aside time and, and it seems very genuine. So I'm glad that your players have someone genuinely checking in on them, especially as they navigate COVID and, and the changes with the season there. Um, you've talked a little bit about, like, success. And it sounds like you have a few different measures of success, but it's clear that you, you work hard towards them and see the results. What does goal setting look like for you and the team? Well, I, you know, I will admit that I'm probably not the best coach and I'm probably not the most skilled coach and talented coach, but I modesty, I, modest, <laughs> modest. I, I told myself when I, 
when I got into coaching that if, if I'm not the best coach, I'm going to have to work harder than everyone. And I come to F and M that was my promise to myself that nobody's going to outwork me. So I can lean on that a bit. I've always been a very stubborn, hard worker. Um, and that probably comes from my, my playing days and, and my youth career yeah. in baseball and wrestling and soccer and football and everything that I played. Um, for goal setting, when I was an athlete, I was really into goal setting. I was, you know, my 40 yard dash was this. I wanted it to be this. I needed to do these things weekly. Um, now for my players, what I, what I would like them to do um, with regard to, I kind of give them like, what are your three, what are, just give me three to five things you want to accomplish. And, mm-hmm. and it could be like academic. A lot of times they ask me, does this have to be soccer? And, and usually I just say whatever you want. And then sometimes certain parts of the year, I'll say whatever you think soccer wise, because I want to focus on that right now for you. Okay. Um, but I think awareness is really important. Like you have to, before you can accomplish like whatever you want to do. If, I want people to be really aware of where they are. So as a player, um, the beauty of today is we have film, like they can watch film yeah. and, and they can really kind of pull apart what they do well, what they need to work on. And once they're like a little bit more aware of where they are as a player, then I can kind of help them get to the next step. Now, there are far fewer things humbling, more humbling than watching film of yourself speaking mm-hmm. from my own experience. There are plenty of times where you like really feel good about it in the moment and then you rewatch it on film and you're like, what, what was I doing? <laughs> so that's, that's that is, not how it played out in my mind. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It looked a lot more athletic than that usually is my experience. I, I tend to forget my height as a five foot three previous goalkeeper. So <laughs> Um, I really love how much the goal setting is athlete led. Um, the way you described it, you immediately said, I ask them what they want to do. And then it seems like it is your role as a coach to kind of lead them and support them in the process of achieving their goals, maybe helping them understand what is achievable, what maybe we need to break this goal down into short-term goals. And those are all things that we teach at Strive. So definitely in alignment with all of that. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, like my leadership style used to be, this is how this is how it is. This is how we should do things. And I would tell people, this is what you have to do. Mm. I'm more, as I've gotten older, I'm more, way more collaborative. Um, way, it's so much more easy for me to admit that I'm wrong. Um, and I think it's really important to be wrong. I think it's really important for them to see the human side and for, um, for me to just be able to say, Hey, I could be wrong here, but this is just how I view it. Um, and then maybe, you know, especially when players come to me and say, um, can you tell me what I can do to, to get better, to help the team? And I may say one thing and it could be totally off. Like, it's just my opinion. So I'll, I really want them to watch film and say, show me what you're referring to. And then, you know, I could be wrong. So maybe you're going to show me something that will lead me to believe that you should be on the field. 
Um, but I think that's, I think that whole like hierarchy and leadership is really important. I, I don't want to be up here. I want to be right here with them. Um, and I think that's for me, for my style, um, that just seems to work better for me. I feel better about that than, than being the boss. Yeah, absolutely. I think on this podcast, like strive, our mission is to redefine leadership and to help people understand that, like you were saying, those soft skills of communication, empathy, respect, et cetera, like all of those are so crucial to a leadership role and leadership isn't as much today about I'm the person at the top and I'm deciding what we're doing. So we always ask our listeners our infamous question, but Jared, I'm going to let you do it because I always steal it from you. So Jared, ask ask the leadership question, Jared. No, you ask the leadership question. The leadership question, that's your thing. I haven't found my thing yet. If you know, (laughs) listeners, you know, I haven't found my thing yet. I've been mulling it over, thinking it, thinking it through. I don't want to steal your thunder. Go ahead. It's yours. Jared, your thing is definitely going to be sound effects because as I edit these podcasts, I I tend to find a lot of really great uh, sound effects. But so, and this will lead into hopefully our conversation that we were having earlier about your title, but Coach Samoski, how do you define leadership? Oh, that's a a tough question. I, (laughs) I mean, leadership means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, to me, I think you're, you're really, there's good, there's leadership can be good and it could be bad. I can, I can be a, a person that leads players to lose. And that might be my goal, which sounds kind of crazy, but um, you know, maybe that's a bad example, but like, that's not a bad example. They're the yeah. NBA tanking. Perfect example. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to say in coach's name, but yes, that's a perfect example. But so to me, leadership is trying to get one or more people to accomplish something. Um, and it's typically good leadership is getting someone to do something that they wouldn't have done without you. So, um, so I'll go back to, it could be the last player on the bench, the last player that would go into a game. Um, I, I kind of see my goal is, is I mean, you're trying to get that player to buy into their role. So whatever their role is, I I really want them to embrace it, um, maximize it, and and then just, well, accept it, you know? Like, so for a player that may not play a lot, one player told me once, like, and this was a few years ago, she was kind of picking at the way I was communicating with players that didn't play. And she said, coach, if you just give them a little bit of a glimmer of light, it could help. And I, I thought about that, you know, a lot and I didn't buy into that. Um, so now I'm kind of, I lean more towards um, not focusing so much on the outcome. So the outcome is playing time. The outcome is winning, but what's the process look like? And there might be a player who's just not competing hard and there, there's probably a reason for that. They're, yeah. you know, they're lacking a little bit of courage at the moment. So, and a lot of times that lack of courage is just a lack of self-confidence. Um, so then you look at how, like, how do you, how do you build self-confidence? Um, yeah. And that's a really, it's a really hard thing. It's because self-confidence is 
you know, it's from previous successes, it's from encouragement, and it's from preparation. So, um, so I, I try to hit on those three things to help them gain a little bit of courage, because when we don't have courage, um, it's amazing how games go, but the, the whole chemical thing in the brain is off. So if, yeah. if um, you know, if you lose a tackle, you're going to lack courage the next time you go in for a tackle. So, mm. um, and, and then you get into fight or flight and, and all that stuff. But it's, um, it's really interesting to me how that can affect games. Um, mm -hmm. but, sure. And then we get into, I don't see everything. So how does your leadership team really um, assert itself and, and work through those problems and have tough conversations. Um, and our, our group has just been fantastic. That's great. That's great. Coach, so at the whole time you were talking, I couldn't help but think of, you know, I think I found my segment. It's going to be like the Sixers kind of parallels, Sixer parallels. I can't help but think of Ben Simmons and Coach Doc Rivers and the fiasco that's going on with that and how how really breaking something down into positives could push a player to play for you and actually be on the feet on the court at least with their teammates um if you know about Ben Simmons then you know what's going on with that whole deal of him not playing right now for the Sixers all because of a little Philly love little Philly love I'll I'll describe it as but um I think being able to really show a player that might not play the things that not and the good things that they do and the things that they could improve on to give them a better chance at getting on the field on the court in the game in the match um the way you were showing that telling us telling us those things was just perfect and spot on um i wanted to kind of open it up a little bit and to get it more of a, a general sports sense from you coach um how do you feel about sports in the sense of where it's going in the future? Well, I think it could go in a great place if we can take the internet down because everyone's glued to their phone. And I think I see youth sports as a like kind of a, where the showcases we go to, there's more pay to play kind of stuff, which mm -hmm. is bad. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's um, they're expensive tournaments. They're traveling they're on planes, they're in hotels. Um, so for the families that are less fortunate financially are gonna struggle to find the opportunities, which is a problem. Mm -hmm. um, and then just the way that it plays out there, these kids are playing three games in three days, which is far too much. Um, so, you know, we're seeing kids go down with injuries and, um, and these are fatigue injuries, they're accumulation of fatigue injuries. and yeah um, and so the whole you know kid goes from track practice to soccer practice to basketball practice and one day is kind of silly yeah. um all four youth players playing multiple sports i think it's great but uh, so you know as they're growing and maturing you know too much is um is not good i mean it's affecting growth and yeah. physical growth kids aren't growing as much as they can physically because they're tired and then when they're tired and then they go home and they study and then they go to sleep and they wake up at 6 a.m for school so they're getting and they're on their phones until 2 a.m so they're getting four to six hours of sleep and you know someone that's probably 
in those youth years years needs probably nine to 11 hours of sleep. Yeah. Um, and they're not getting that. Um, so uh, that's a problem. And there have been studies where, you know, some schools have started school at 10 a.m. and have seen grades go up because kids are sleeping. The yeah. biological clock is now, instead of going to bed at 10 o'clock, which we used to do, they're going to bed at 2 a.m., but they still have to get up early. So that's a problem. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I don't buy into the whole, you can, you know, you can sleep when you're dead or whatever. You know, <laughs> like I sleep nine hours a, a night, I mean, easily. And I just believe that sleep refreshes everything. Like all of your organs, your brain, it, um, it just renews your energy for the next day. And I think, I don't think people get enough sleep. Yeah. I think so, the like hustle mentality is definitely plays a factor there. I see that a lot in college athletics, especially with the demanding schedule of like basically a full-time athlete and a full-time scholar. And FNM certainly has pretty rigorous academics. I went there for those. I was excited for that challenge, but I think a lot of coaches have a difficult time managing that balance. How do you support your athletes in managing the student athlete balance and still getting nine hours of sleep? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so none of them get nine hours of sleep. We know that. Um, so it's just trying to find ways to not interrupt um, the sleep they do get. So mm. uh, the first thing is they, they have to understand that sleep is, is the number one modality for recovery. So we, we kind of like, I give them, you know, we do like this past summer, I gave them, got sent out a weekly email and, and, share some kind of information with them, whether it be through sleep or fitness or whatever. And so I send them a little bit of science on sleep and how important it is. Um, the other one is um, just trying to get your mind to shut off. Like, can you, like we, we, we do set up um, like weekly mindfulness meetings. Now, not too many of them engage in that, um, Interesting. but for, you know, maybe some of them do, uh, on their own. Um, and so, you know, we had a small group that seemed to do that the last couple of years. And I think that's really important. If you can shut your mind off for 20 minutes a day, I think it's important. Now I personally don't do it because <laughs> I can't turn it off. It, it just keeps going. <laughs> I mean, it takes, it is certainly a practice. I, I used to, when I was teaching third grade, I had the, the pleasure of teaching third graders how to shut your mind off and how to do some of that. And like in teaching it, you realize that it's really quite complicated. And I think that like people see mindfulness as like, oh, I'm just going to take a few deep breaths. But like that, that tracking the thoughts as they come in and out and being aware, but not attaching to them, like we all can work on that. It is not easy. No, it's not. Um, so that's another thing. Um, I, I learned some pretty hard lessons at FNM my first uh, year and a half or so. And, and the yeah. first one was, well, I believe this for maybe the last five years, like, just don't get them up early. Why, why would we want to get them up early? Is it like, so it's supposed to be tough, like, or, yeah. you know, we got to make them mentally tough. And, and so d denying them sleep 
for me is not getting them mentally tough. Mm -hmm. um, when we talk about mental toughness, there's got to be context to it for me. So it's got to be like on the field. Um, and, and it's got to be a specific example, like, and talk a little bit about courage and how you can, can go in for a, a tackle harder or whatever. Like that would be context to being mentally tough and believing in yourself and things yeah. like that, that that's, that's how I would like kind of train mental toughness. Like, I, I don't know. I don't even really know what is mental toughness. Um, it's a weird concept for me, but, um, so the the big lesson was don't do anything on sunday don't do anything on sunday because it's really their only day it's their only day to do whatever they want so my, i'm very much an idealist and i always like so all of my readings and podcasts and the the people in my life that have taught me the most about periodization and um regaining freshness from your sport it, it's all about like so you train really hard one day and then you recover and then you train and you recover and if you play 60 minutes or more in a college soccer game you probably need 72 hours to fully recover and to replenish um, your glycogen stores and everything else and for any kind of muscle damage to heal so if if you look at 72 hours and then what's really important is some kind of active recovery the next day and then a day off. So there's game day, active recovery, day off. So if your game day is Saturday and you do some kind of active recovery, so the idealist in me says we need to practice Sunday so we can do active recovery. But I started to weigh, um, is the active recovery more important than the mental side of putting them out on the field on Sunday because they just, they're just not happy with me when I do that. So, um, so trying to weigh the two, um, active recovery kind of lost that battle in my mind. So, and it took a while, like it, you know, I could just see it in their eyes. They just, you know, it, on Sundays, it's just like, they coach, give it up, man. Just Sunday's not the day. Yeah. 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 So, um, so that's, that's big, not getting them up early. Like if I have a choice in preseason, do we get up at 7am or, or do we get up at 11? I just like kind of turn the clock 7am to 6pm with two practices or 11am to 8.30pm. Um, the problem with the 8.30pm is um, sometimes those later practices, when do you eat? Do you have time to eat in between? The bigger problem is post post training nutrition. So yeah. you, you are know. giving me flashbacks to our eight to 10 o'clock turf slot that mm. I never had a good dinner time strategy for that one. And it was always like, get home. And then by the time I'm like settled and relaxed, it's like 1130 and I still have homework to do because I pushed it off from that awkward, like 4:45 until seven ish period that I had for before practice. So you are giving me plenty of flashbacks. Here. Sorry about that, Caroline. Um, <laughs> okay. It's good. It's all good. Yeah. And having three, three teams on the same field. So we do a rotation yeah. or some nights we go eight 15. Um, and then it's really post-game nutrition or post-training nutrition. So how do you, um, after training, you know, 
I, I like to say, or science says that there's a, a gate that closes 30 minutes after training that if you don't get calories in your, in your body, that your recovery is going to be double. So oh, as wow. far as the time that it takes. So, uh, the, the beauty of this is that Turkey Hill is right across the street and they have really good chocolate milk. So it's so funny I brought that up we have a previous episode with a nutritionist here in Delaware um and she was talking about all of that you know and I was like you know I I remember the chocolate milk and bananas post-practice post-game but I never really learned why we did that I just knew that like and I started to like crave it like after a good practice I was like good chocolate milk would be really nice (laughs) Chocolate milk. <laughs> it's a Penn State and the creamery, the pe- the creamery chocolate milk. Okay. Uh... Oh, that's some chocolate milk. <laughs> so, Coach, um, I wanted to kind of continue a, a conversation. To me, it seems like you you're really about preparation and kind of doing your homework beforehand. Beforehand, when it, when it comes with regards with um, reading articles, listening to podcasts, and watching film, do you try to instill those same values? with your student athletes i know you said you send them sometimes some uh some articles to read but do you try and push them to find their own paths as in like maybe actually watching a soccer game a professional soccer game or uh, if they're interested on on how to develop foot muscles i don't know if that's a thing well i mean i'm pretty sure it's a thing but like those type of articles in preparation can you just speak a little bit to that yeah, I mean, I like science, um, and and I think it it uh, there's a lot of information out there now. So, um, the one thing that I try to s- steer clear of is is a, um, a, yeah, I'm always thinking about association versus causality. So, if um, can you explain that to people that might not know? Sure. What that yeah. means. Um, so if. Um, you know, for, for example, if we had chocolate milk after practice and, um, and the next day training was awesome, that I can associate chocolate milk with great training the next day. And, and that's not necessarily the chocolate milk and the great training the next day is not a cause effect relationship. It's more my own association. Like I have no science to back up that because we drank chocolate milk last night, we had a great training session the next day. It could have been that um, on that particular day, it was a Thursday and nobody had a morning class and they slept longer. So, um, so I, everyone's always looking for the answer. Like there's always like, so that's why we reinvent the wheel all the time. So like in your business, it might be, um, we have, uh, this new logo and all of a sudden we have this many followers and you might make the association that it's because of the shiny logo. And it may not be because of the shiny logo. So I think we have to really be careful about um, making associations that um, in our head are the answer to what we're trying to accomplish. Because once you do that, you kind of get complacent and you rest a bit. Um, I, I think like maybe that's part of the mad scientist in me is that like I never believe that what we did is the answer. I never believe it. So that's why I really critical. (laughs) Yeah. Really critical, analytical. Um, I'm in my head constantly and, and that, you know, it could be a strength and it could be a weakness and it's probably both. Um, 
but I am, uh, I analyze a lot. I tinker a lot. I've always like, as a kid, I would take things apart and put them together. And that's, that's what I did as a kid. Like I was always doing that. Um, and so kind of like growing up as a kid, I was like a hands-on, like, I want to fix things. I want to take things apart. And, um, and so I'm always kind of taking things apart and putting them back together to see if it can be better. Oh, interesting. Um, and, and that all kind of like my biggest flashback with that is I had when I was, you know, probably eight, nine years old. And um, I was take like I would take the back wheel off and I would take the gears out and I would grease the gears like weekly. And my mom would say, why do you have to do that weekly? And I don't remember what my answer was, but I just knew if I did it, that maybe if dirt got in there during the week, it would be, it would roll better and whatever. So that like kind of my mindset of taking things apart and putting them back together better. Um, and that's my earliest memory of how I was, you know, as a kid. Yeah. I mean, that, that ability to be research-based and adaptable is, is really crucial, but it comes out in everything that you're saying, because like even your record as a student athlete, like you have an incredible record there and it's easy for someone who has had great success in their past to be like, all right, well, it worked for me then. And so I'm going to take this exact structure and I'm going to force it on to everything else that I'm doing. Can you tell us a little bit more about what it's been like taking what you knew as a player, maybe association or cause and how you've grown since then as a coach. Yeah. I was never satisfied as a player. Never. I mean, there were times where I'd come off the field and one particular, it was a college game. And um, I remember coming off and my mom said, when are you going to be happy? And I said, never. Um, And that's, that sounds crazy. Right. Um, But that's just what my mindset was. I just like, I always felt like there was, I could prepare better. I could do better um, as a player. Um, You know, I, I was really like undersized as a kid, like I was tiny. And I remember I was probably as a freshman in high school, I was like 95 pounds. Um, And I wrestled for probably four or five years and and I was a very good wrestler um and it was probably my best sport and I got into so I stopped wrestling when I was in ninth grade because of the pressure on me like I couldn't deal with going into a match knowing that it was all on me um so at the time I had thrown out my arms so I was no longer going to be playing baseball and soccer had kind of stuck with me since I started in seventh grade yeah. Um, and it was very much a team sport and I was very much driven and, and I would do all the skill stuff on my own and, and prepare. And all I wanted to do was score goals. That's all I wanted to do. And I was a very, um, I was a very individual player. Um, so I would say, you know, when I got to college, I, I just had a chip on my shoulder because I didn't play a lot in high school. Mm. We didn't have film well actually we do have film but you'd be amazed at what it looks like it's pretty bad (laughs) (laughs) we've got to pull it up for for this episode we've got to see some (laughs) it's green it's it's unbelievable um but you know like we didn't have film to review so if my coach told me 
you know, you're not doing this, this or this, I could never look at it and say like, show me, you know, which is, you know, very different from what I referred to uh, earlier in the podcast. But um, I was just so angry when I went to college um, as a player, because I really, I mean, for me, I wanted to prove something and I wanted to, I wanted Honestly, my, my dad has always been involved in my athletic career. He coached me. Um, I wanted to give him something back. And to me, like, it's sad to say because he would never, he would never want anything back. You know, he would just want me to be happy. Um, so um, I think for me, I wanted to give him something back that was material. Like that was, you know, oh, you, you, accomplish this this or this and when I didn't do that in high school I felt like I let him down um so when I went to college I trained really hard and my parents have always been supportive I remember specifically a card that they gave me before I went to college and it said keep working hard and your time will come and I still have that card um and I you know I found the right college I, I went to the University of Pittsburgh at Johnstown where my brother was playing so I got to play again. Uh, I didn't play with my brother in high school, actually, because I was on JV when he was on varsity. Oh, wow. And then, but when we went to college, we played. We played together, which was awesome. Um, and um, I think just kind of like, that's when I was in the goal setting and, and really like trying to be this player that I felt like I needed to be. And, and for me, it was all about scoring goals. I don't think I was the best teammate. I don't think I was a horrible teammate because I think my, I think my teammates knew I was going to do anything I could to win. Um, and I was aggressive and sometimes I was a dirty player and, um, and sometimes I was very individualistic and, um, I was intense. And so I can't say that I took a lot from my playing career into my coaching career. So it was a very hard learning curve for me when I started coaching because um, I just, you know, don't, I was coaching girls too. And I was coaching a U12 team and they were like, who is this guy? He's nuts. Um, <laughs> Slightly different. <laughs> oh man, coach. I got so many questions for you. It's just the time is. <laughs> yeah. And, and just like, you know, I just had to like, kind of not be this intense like guy that was just yelling all the time and just kind of like um you know caring more about the person and I've always cared about people like I've always been compassionate but I've just been always so intense like with how I played and then mm -hmm. going right into coaching because I just wanted I wanted to be a professional soccer player that's all I wanted to do so my mom had said, why don't you try coaching? And I thought she was crazy. I was like, no way. Like, I'm not going to like that. And I started coaching and I loved it. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess I would ask then, what would you say to your really quickly, of course, what would you say to your past self? If you had a player like that, that was really drill driven, hardworking and the characteristics that you dis you described to us as you were a player, what would, if you had, I don't know if you ran into a player like that, but like, what would you say? We have those players. And, and so for me, I think it's like, they're, they're driven. They, they work a lot on the ball. They're out on the field a lot. You know, you just see them out there. They're just like, I call them soccer heads. They're just all about soccer, which is really cool. I think it's great. That's their passion. Um, 
you know, just make sure you have balance and, and you know that academics is more important. Um, because to me in college, like academics wasn't important. I was, I was in a hard major. I was a computer science major. So it was already hard. And then like, I just didn't apply myself as much um, because all I cared about was soccer. So okay. um, I just say have a balance. You know, it's really cool what you're doing and, and I'm proud of you because you're so committed. And I love that commitment. Like, I love having those uh, those student athletes on my team because they help us be successful. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's about reframing too. I think like all of the traits that we see in our athletes, sometimes it can be easy for us to, to see the negatives in it, but realizing like that intensity is how they're showing their commitment. Like, and we can say that about a lot of players and it's clear that you take a strength-based approach to your athletes, even in terms of like how you communicate with students and players that aren't getting the playing time that maybe they want. Like it, it's clear that you encourage the strength side of it um, and support them in growing rather than just focusing on what people might perceive as the negatives. Um, it's also clear that you did that transitioning out of a pretty tough time but now that we are getting ready for 2022 season um as we wrap up here what are you what are you most looking forward to in the 2022 seasons i think the pro just the process like i've been so process oriented and not like we have you know kids that will say like i can't wait to play hopkins and i'll just say forget about hopkins like hopkins is not this mythical creature that you know, that we, oh my God, we got to beat Hopkins. Like the first game of the season is York. Let's just focus mm -hmm. on that. But even before that, let's just focus on what we can improve. Um, and because that's like kind of the process that everyone controls their, what they put into their body, how they train, um, the relationships they build, um, all those things are, are things that you can directly control. So, yeah, I mean, we were, I would say we were pretty decimated injury wise by the mm. end of season. However, um, it would be crazy for me to say if we had all those players, we would have been a better team because we just had kids that stepped up. Like they, kids that had not played that just stepped up. And that's like, that's when you know, like everyone's in sync and like, yeah. and that put, on our leadership team. I think they did a remarkable job, things that I probably don't even know about. So, um, so we do get some players off of injury. So, you know, maybe we're a bit deeper next year. We have a new class coming in. Um, so um, I'm excited. Like we have, we just have a really good team. I think we'll, I think we'll be able to play with anyone. Um, and, but more importantly, I think I'm just excited for what I've always said, like, what do you what do you want out of your team or out of the season i just want harmony i, I want mm. people to just feel the sense of harmony that they're working together towards some kind of common goal and and we can um move forward together and just feel good about that and then if we if we have a great season like this past year and we can bottle it what's in the bottle and i i like to ask that question and nobody ever has the answer because it's just like it's not math <laughs> I mean, harmony, like that word alone, you don't hear in the world that we're in frequently, but I think it really summarizes like what a lot of coaches are trying to get. You want your team to feel like a well-oiled machine and it's everyone is playing their role and making it all go together. And I think 
you were spot on at the beginning when we talk about pushing our athletes to be more courageous it is about those soft skills and it is about like harmony has to exist off the field in order for it to exist on the field. Harmony has to exist internally. So checking in with them one-on-one is so important. So it's clear that you have done a great job with the diplomats thus far, and I'm excited to continue to follow along. Is there anything else you want to close us out with? No dips. Hey, (laughs) I I need to know. I need to know. What is, what is this Olympic rower? deal down below are you an olympic <laughs> rower is is this a joke like that's still on there oh man um <laughs> so we did a um with the harwood leadership i was on a committee for that and um we did like a team building thing and and uh i was i was the olympic rower um <laughs> the time i was like we gotta ask about this olympic rower thing <laughs> this is gold <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest, I stayed away from it because I thought I had studied your, your bio pretty clearly. And I was like, gosh, Olympic rower seems like a big thing to have missed, but maybe I missed it. So didn't know I was an Olympic rower. I missed, I missed I, it. I'm the furthest thing from an Olympian. Trust me. Um, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. You have the mindset for sure. But yeah, no, just thank you for the opportunity. It's great to um, meet you face to face and, and spend some time with you. And I hope, um, I wish you guys the best in 2022 for health and, and success with your, your program. looks like you guys are doing great things. So I'm definitely going to get on to, uh, listen to some of these other podcasts that you guys have done. Yeah. I would encourage if you haven't been a part of the, uh, the strive leadership programs, please reach out. We would love to have one with you and your team and to just continue to do great work and to give you some extra tips. And that's for all of our listeners out there. Please, please, please hit us up, reach out to us. We will get back to you and we will definitely um, coordinate a time to meet with your team and or your organization. Well, thank you everybody so much. We appreciate you. And thank you to everyone who tuned in today. How You Lead Matters podcast comes out on a monthly basis. And if you are looking for more content, where should they look, Jared? You can follow us on all socials at How You Lead Matters or email us today to schedule your own Strive workshop. Talk to you next month. Peace.